Y'all, today um, we're talking about uh, the same passage of Scripture we just talked about with the kids. I want us to look at just for a few moments some things that Jesus said about people like this and how he talked to adults and reminded adults that we are all called to be like the children. We're all called to be like the children. Pray that today, as we have a conversation about these verses for a little bit, we will be open to that idea. I know that as adults, as parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and people that pay taxes and have jobs and mortgages and stresses that children don't have yet, for the most part, sometimes we might be able or be tempted to say, well, I got a lot more going on than the kids. There's a reason I'm more stressed out. There's a reason I worry more. We're not talking about stress and worry today. We're talking about some spiritual issues that are very true to who God is and what God calls us to be like. To know that Jesus said, when it comes to spiritual matters, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven will be great because they have humility like children. So again, we're called to be like the children. A couple of things about this. One, it's interesting to me that Jesus' disciples didn't get along all the time. It'd be wonderful if Jesus could have said to the world after he went up to heaven, y'all just look at my disciples, how they get along with each other, be just like them and everything will be okay. But he didn't say that because his disciples disagreed about a few things, including who was the greatest. Isn't that interesting? 2,000 years ago in the very presence of Jesus, and they were still arguing about some of the same things that people argue and stress out about today. Who is the greatest? Who has more status? Who has more stuff? Who does Jesus love more? Who has more favor? Who lives in the right place or goes to the right place on vacation? Who's the greatest? And what does Jesus say? He just skips right over all the adults. He goes, hey, kid, come here. Wouldn't that be funny if you were sitting there? He's like, hey, bring the kid, bring the kid. And he brings a kid up front. It's awesome to me, y'all, that Jesus, according to Scripture, was the type of man when he walked in the room, people noticed him. He was meek because that's biblical, but he was not a weak man. He was very strong, and I believe at times could have been very intimidating. Scripture says he's like a lion and a lamb at the same time. Grown-ups oftentimes didn't know how to take him, but the kids were consistently drawn towards him. And that's really cool to me. Jesus doesn't condemn the disciples for their desire to be great. It's important for me this week, as I've read over this, to note that Nowhere does Jesus say in this passage that we as followers of Jesus are not to aspire for greatness. I tell our kids, I tell our teens, and I try to tell our adults, I believe the Lord calls followers of Jesus to be the best at what you do all the time. Scripture says in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if serving the Lord, not other people. What does that mean? We're supposed to do everything at our very best, setting us apart from the rest of the world. Why? So we can in turn say, and the Lord has been good to me, and to give him credit for it. God wants us to desire to be good at what we do. And Jesus doesn't condemn the disciples for wanting that. But he does challenge their worldly assumptions about the methods they were using to become great. He was flipping everything they understood upside down. One of the things I love most about Jesus he often tells stories and uses kids as examples, and then he just walks away. Isn't that fun? He'll teach this phenomenal truth that the universe has never experienced in some cool story form. And then at the end of it goes, see you later. And he just walks away and lets people wrestle with it and think through it. And he's doing some of that here. How can we enter into heaven? How can we become great? 
spiritually, according to the teachings of Jesus, it's by becoming like children. And we choose to become like the children. In the Roman world, the world in which Jesus was living when he was teaching these things, children had no rights. Now, children in a lot of households today, you know, go to your room, you're going to go to your room. You know, like it's getting a little less rights. But in his world, they had even fewer rights. You know, it was so bad that at any time, if you were a parent and you got tired of your kid, you had the authority to kick them out regardless of their age of your house. It's one of the reasons that the phrase Godparent was established in the early church as people began to hear the teachings of Jesus and this call to have pure religion and care for widows and orphans. They began to go to some of these very places where the children were being abandoned. And they would take these children into their homes and raise them as their own. And the Roman citizens would call the Christians, the Christ followers, God-parents to these kids. Children in Jesus' day had very few rights. Now, I know a lot of us today would say, I'm glad we don't live in Roman times. I'm glad we don't have problems like that anymore. Y'all, for the last 10 years or more, Republicans and Democrats and Independents across the nation in every political arena have been asking the church, the followers of Jesus Christ for help because we have foster care systems that are overwhelmed with the number of children that are in need of places to go. We have three or four children in our own congregation that have been adopted and are being raised by God-loving parents that are teaching their kids what it is to follow Jesus. But we know that even in 2022 USA, we still have struggles when it comes to caring for the children. Believers in Jesus are to be humbly dependent on their Heavenly Father. Spiritually, the place where we start when it comes to experiencing the truth of who God is, is by simply saying, just like a kid says, hey, I need, I had a guy on the way out the door, this is good. I wish he was, I'm not going to say his name, it's a cool story. But on the way out the door, he was telling me about his son last week, um, his truck broke. This is phenomenal. I'll, I'll give him credit next week. Um, he says, truck broke. And he came to him, he said, daddy, can you fix this? And he said, oh, I don't think I can fix that, son. <laughs> he said, okay, Santa Claus can fix it. Because Santa gave it to me. He said, okay. Let's write some letters, you know. Let's figure this out. I said, but that's Christmas time, you know. This is June. Let's come up with some backup plans. And the kid, he said, without missing a beat, said, I know what to do. Took that dump truck, true story, according to this dad, went outside in his front door, held it up to heaven, and said, God, my truck is broken. Please fix it. And he said, okay, we're going we're gonna to work on this, you know. Isn't that good? What are we teaching the kids? Take your troubles to the Lord. Take your broken trucks to the Lord. Take your struggles to the Lord. Take your questions to the Lord. You ever had a kid ask you a question? These kids, right, in one 17-second conversation will say things to me like, you were really that crazy guy in the hot dog outfit? Yes. What was the nastiest thing? The um, sauerkraut. How did God create himself? What? You ever had a kid ask you a question? Just like boom, 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 boom. They're saying whatever comes to the mind. Why? Because they're innocent and pure. They have the ability to ask difficult questions, but they also have the ability to accept the simplest of answers. And Jesus says, you want to be more like me? You want to be more like the type of people that enter into greatness in heaven? Become like the children. Children can also ask 
the most difficult questions, but are able to have faith in the simplest of answers. I'm thankful for the amount of children that are being reached by what God is doing at Lake Point. And we're praying for the Lord to give us the strength and the resources to continue to reach them. Be like the children. It's summertime. Be like the kids. In church, we can be like the kids. Now, I'm not saying be like the kids all the time because sometimes kids cover your ears for a second. Kids can be annoying, you know. But I am saying, easy, that God calls us on spiritual matters to trust him like a, trial, a child trusts in someone who they love and support, to give them what they need. The world will change if we were more willing to take our broken trucks outside and ask the Lord for help and believe that God's about to give an immediate response. Be like the children. But Jesus doesn't stop there. A lot of the kids have been dismissed. Some of the kids are still in here. We're going to touch on some things that are touchy, but I want to let you know. We've prayed about it. We're trusting the Lord with it. But I think we've got we to gotta, we gotta say it. Jesus also says that we, as the church, we as followers of Christ are also to protect the children. Be like the children and protect the children. One interesting fact, when Jesus says children or little ones, depending on the translation, he's talking about actual little people at first. But at the end of those verses, he's talking about any child of God, any follower of Christ. That's all of us. So in a way, if we are saying, if you're like, I don't got any kids in my house, that's okay. If you do, this is really going to apply. But also, this applies to everyone that calls himself a child of God. How do you become a child of God? You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You confess him as Lord of your life, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, and you will be saved forever. If you have done that, you are a child of the living king. And God calls us to protect all children. Why? Because Jesus knew that the devil hates children. Y'all, we believe in this place that God is real. We believe in this place that the devil's real. If you've got a family, if you've got kids or grandkids around you, if you've got little kids in church that you're helping volunteer and serve, know that the devil absolutely hates everything that is happening in this place. Almost 10% of Morgan County primary elementary school kids gathered here in this actual room last week to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. God celebrated it. We're trusting the Lord in it. But the devil is taking note and he hates it. So what do we do with that? Guard your hearts, guard your minds, and guard your homes. If you're an adult and there's no kids in your house, this applies to you. If there are kids in your house, this applies to you. Guard your heart, guard your mind, and guard your home. Old Testament says that Christians, uh, that followers of the Lord in Israel would have men on the watchtower. You know, they'd be out there watching to see what might be coming their way. Scripture says in the New Testament, we're to do the same. We're to be watching for what may be coming our way. Guard your hearts. Guard your minds. Guard your homes. And protect the children. I believe that Jesus himself has wept in recent years, even in recent days at the care that our culture has been giving to the children. I would love to say that the world has progressed or become more educated, or maybe we've evolved in some way since the ancient Roman days in which Jesus was living. But I would venture to say that under the surface, a lot hasn't changed. And we, as followers of Christ, have to acknowledge and address those things. In Buffalo, New York, just last week, 
Very few of these stories have made any headlines at all. In Buffalo, New York, just last week, a group called Compass Care. It's a Christ-centered pregnancy center that meets women in great times of need when they don't know where else to turn to partner with them, to walk them through a pregnancy, and to support them after a pregnancy. All under the name of Jesus, who calls people to love well. Christ, I'm sorry, Compass Care was firebombed just last week by a group that has been called Jane's Revenge. They're not even hiding it. This group, Jane's Revenge, if you Google them, you will find out, have been doing similar things across the country. They're spray painting Jane's Revenge on the places that they are bombing. About to get touchy just for a little bit. The last time I mentioned the governor of New York, we had a family leave the church because they didn't like what I had to say. I'm not the governor of New York. I've never met the man. I'm not calling him out for anything other than this. In response to that, according to lots of news agencies, the governor of New York signed a bill promising secure security money to protect every abortion clinic in the state of New York because of the Christian groups who were posing a harm. I'm not going to preach all day just on this, but I want you to know there are those in our culture who are not caring for the children. There are those in our culture who want to hurt the children. And we as the church are called to protect and love and meet people where they are. Joel Osteen, anybody ever read one of his books? It's okay, it's a safe space. Nobody for real? Let's go. You know, I'm just kidding. Joel, my man, he hasn't invited me to preach yet, but I promise you this. If he invites me, I'm going. You know, I've always thought how cool it would be to have the globe. Like, anyway. In Joel's church last week, I, I don't know him. I've read a lot of his thing. Joel Osteen's church last Sunday. Lots and lots of protesters gathered outside to yell and say mean things to his congregation as they were walking into their sanctuary for worship. Thousands of people. A few of those protesters made their way inside. After he did his opening prayer and said the phrase to conclude the prayer in Jesus' name. One of the protesters in the middle of a church service with families and children. Stood up, undressed, and began to say awful crude things in the midst of a lot of people. Thankfully, Joel Osteen's church has a great security team who got that person out of the sanctuary very quickly. This isn't Pakistan. This is in Texas. Across our nation, during this Pride Month of June, there are groups that are encouraging the youngest of the young to be exposed to many things in our culture that not only aren't good, but really shouldn't be exposed to the youngest of the young. I know a lot of adults that wrestle with some of these issues, and we wrestle and we walk with and we trust the Lord, but Jesus says to protect the children. There are some churches that are hosting events that are encouraging drag type events and groups where children are being exposed to many things that, in my opinion, are way above their maturity level. And yet Jesus says to protect the children. About to get touchy. Disney. Disney. 
has come out, and I'm not a politician, but I was a political science major. I've read a couple bills. And a lot of other groups have come out against certain legislations in some states. I know it's touchy, but I feel like we've got to share it. That say things like, don't say gay and lots of other things. Again, I'm a fan of coming together and having conversations. God calls us to meet people and to love people. He says everyone is welcome at the table. But he also says protect the children. So I read it because I was curious. And the bill, according to what I read, says that pre-K, kindergarten, first, and second grade children should not be taught about gender ideas or sexuality courses, okay? Adults, we can have conversations. We can get together and discuss and have civil discourse. But Jesus says what? Protect the children. Just to keep it even, to make sure no one walks out and says, well, the preacher was picking on just some people. I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church, ordained at a Southern Baptist Church. Just last week, a list of hundreds, y'all, hundreds and hundreds of names came out. From Nashville, where the Southern Baptist Convention is located, listing hundreds of pastors who for decades have hurt women and children, and they did nothing but cover it up. And Jesus says what? Protect the children, y'all. Why? Because Jesus knows that the children are the one who come with the innocence. The children are the one who need to be shielded for a little while. I know it's a different day and age, but I've heard of preachers in the 50s and 60s that said crazy things like, get rid of the TVs in your house. Anybody raised in a church that did something like that? Because the things that were coming out on what? The Andy Griffith show? I'm like, how hardcore was it? It But they were not skirting around the issue. And the main reasoning that I read about these men and women is because they said, we got to protect the minds of the children. Do you know why Mr. Rogers left the ministry of the United Methodist Church to start a TV program? Because he was concerned about Bugs Bunny. Because he said Bugs Bunny was promoting too much violence. I was like, bro, you ain't seen nothing on me. I mean, okay. But what did he do? He went out and started a whole TV series promoting kindness and gentleness and love and faithfulness to protect the children. I would love to tell you that my family hasn't struggled with protecting the children. I would love to tell you that our family doesn't fall into some of the same traps that I think many of our families do. Our kids live, they live, we let them down for dinner. They, they stay <laughs> upstairs in the house, not really, if anybody's watching, we don't really... There are three bedrooms and their bathrooms upstairs, which is nice. One, you can, just, you can just close the upstairs off. You know what I mean? You're like, don't go upstairs. It's not a safe space. That's fun. <laughs> but also, you know, it's just nice. Kids have their own rooms. They have slumber parties. Y'all, we're trying as parents in 2022 with technology and devices. We're trying to stay on top of this stuff. My kids don't have cell phones yet, but they got a TV upstairs. We cut the cable because, you know, Dave Ramsey and all, and we're watching... YouTube TV and things like that, but we've even fallen into some of the times the temptation of just letting the kids go upstairs and watch on YouTube whatever they want to watch on YouTube. Well, they're 10, 8, and 6. They can figure it out. You know what we found out? Hear me. Please hear me. They're not old enough to make those decisions yet. I know it's easier, y'all. I'm there. I'm living it. It is so much easier sometimes to just say, would you please just go watch something? But can I share something with you for a moment that just breaks my heart? 
I feel like the devil is making his way into our households through the devices that we are handing our children at younger and younger ages as a distraction. And hear me, hear this, that's on us. I don't know why kids these days, I can give you a few ideas. Jesus says, protect the children. Even when it's difficult, protect the children. He says these things in Matthew 18, verses 7 and 9. How do we protect them? This is Jesus gets hardcore here. He says, woe to the world for temptations to sin. For it is necessary that temptations come. But woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. And if your hand, this is Jesus, not me. Jesus says, if your hand or foot calls you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Can you imagine if you're hearing this for the first time? You're like, I'm out. That's too. Cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you, Jesus says, to enter life, the eternal life, glory, crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. Jesus says, if your eye calls you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life, life on this place, with one eye than for two eyes than to be thrown into hell, the hell of fire. What is Jesus saying there? I'm not going to break this down. That's black and white. I think Jesus is just saying it. He's saying you got to protect yourself, protect your families, protect your kids. Something calls you to sin, get rid of it. Now, don't go to like lunch today and say, the preacher said that we need to cut your hand off now. That's no, 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 no. Like, I'm not. I think Jesus is making a solid point here by calling people into awareness that sometimes the devil prowls around like a lion, waiting to, to jump, to pounce on someone, and we forget that Jesus has defanged the lion so he can growl, he just can't bite. Jesus is saying that we have to pay attention to what we are allowing into our homes, our ears, our eyes, and our family life. We have to pay attention. Now more than ever, to sound like an old preacher, times have changed just a little bit. Got to pay attention. Got to pay attention. But I can't ask my 12-year-old for his phone. It's his phone. Can I preach to you just for a second? Get. This is about. Stop. Let's just leave it there. Stop. I've had adults, kids cover your ears for a second. I've had adults in marriage counseling that are struggling with their marriage say things like, well, I can't look at his phone. It's his phone. I can't look at her phone. It's his phone. Hear me. Stop it. Especially if you're paying the bill. You know what I mean? Like buy your own phone and it's still mine. You live under my house. I'm just saying. Pay attention. It's not easy, church. I'm not belittling it. I'm not saying it's going to be a piece of cake. It's not. But we got to pay attention. It's easier for me to say, kids, just go upstairs and watch some YouTube and let me binge something. Like, I need a break for a second on Netflix. I've got to pay attention. Because if not, they will be exposed to things that I don't want them exposed to just yet. Got to pay attention. Second, I've got to be willing to remove it. If something is in my household and it is causing my family or one of my children to fall into temptation, it is up to me as their father. If you're a single mother, it is up to you as the mother. If you're a grandparent raising kids, it's up to you as the grandparent. Whoever is the leader of that household, it is up to us to remove the things that are causing us to fall into temptation. Now, if one of your kids is frustrating you, I'm not saying, like, remove the kid. We're not saying that. But what I am saying is it's okay. Why? Jesus said it. Jesus took it a step further. He said, your hand calls you a sin, cut it off. I'm not saying that, but I am saying if a phone's calls you a sin, get rid of it. The internet, well, it's 2022, we can't survive. Jesus, I think, would say in that moment, it's better to survive without the internet for a few weeks than to spend eternity in the fires of hell. Jesus' words, not mine. 
So we've got to ask ourselves, Lord, is there anything that I might currently be allowing into my household that is causing us to sin? Third, get used to being uncomfortable because it's not comfortable. Get used to being uncomfortable. It will be uncomfortable at first, but it's worth it in the long run. It will be uncomfortable sometimes, but it is worth it. My kids are still pretty young. Our most uncomfortable conversations are about, anyway, lots of things, but nothing too crazy just yet. But I know they're coming. We've got to have the uncomfortable conversations, families. With the spouses, with the families, with the children, we've got to have the uncomfortable conversations. Be willing to make it uncomfortable. I've married for 15 years. There are still times where I'm tempted. Something's going a different direction. shouldn't go in. We're getting off on different pages. You know what I'm saying? You start to feel it a little bit. Something's different. I can either say, I'm not going to address this, or I'm going to address this. And I don't know about your life, but in my life, it's very rarely been like, yay, we're addressing this. This is awesome. It's not comfortable, but it's worth it in the long run. It's worth it to have uncomfortable conversations with your kids now to avoid other things that the current path they may be on may be leading them to it. We've got to have uncomfortable conversations in a culture that says nothing uncomfortable is good. We've got to be willing to talk and discuss. You have to be willing to talk. Again, at our household, we got a dinner table. It's fun. A lot of stuff going on there. My kids are still young. Anything goes at the dinner table. We're crazy. Because we're saying things like, you can ask us anything around this table. And again, right now they're young. Simple questions. As they get older, we're beginning to prepare our hearts for the questions that may be coming. Because I'd rather them ask me than Siri. You know what I mean? I'd rather them ask me than Google or Alexa. Or for whatever reason, my kids changed the names of their Alexa and now it's called Ziggy. I don't know what that means. If it's some weird gang thing, don't tell me about like Ziggy. That's it. Be willing to talk. Don't let the silence go on for too long. But they're a teenager. They don't want to talk right now. I worked with teenagers for a long time. I was one a long time ago, and now I know I'm getting farther removed from it. But from everything I've learned and studied, something deep inside is still saying, no, I want to talk, even though everything on the outside is saying, no. Be willing to talk and have difficult conversations. We also have to lead by example. That's a hard one. If I'm going to tell my kids to read their Bible more, you know what their immediate response could be? Are you reading your Bible more? <laughs> and that's when you say, why don't you knock it off and go read the Bible? <laughs> we have to lead by example. What are we listening to? What are we doing in our spare time? What are we watching on devices? What are we saying to other people? How are we talking about other people when no one else is around? How are we living out our spiritual lives? We have to lead by example. That's why Jesus never says in Scripture, be like anyone other than himself. Why? Because he knows that everyone else is going to mess up. So we are called to be like him and to try. When you mess up, you don't have to go all boohoo to the kids, but it's okay sometimes to say, look, you messed that one up. We've got to figure this stuff out. Be honest with them and one another and lead by example. Surround yourself with other believers. Surround yourself with fellow believers. If you haven't read any statistic in the last 20 years, everything that I'm reading is saying the number of believers in the country are getting smaller, which is why I believe today more than ever the church needs one another. We need other people in our lives that are walking alongside us saying things like, I'm trying to do this just like you. Your kid's mad at you too. My kid's mad at me. We're trying to figure this out in our marriage or with our parents or with our grandkids or whatever else. Come together with other believers who are using this as their firm foundation and have the conversations. That's one of the things we pray over this church. Any conversation can go, right? Because we want to be able to have the tough conversations with other people who commit to loving us and loving the Lord with us. To close out, we've got to remember to pray for our children. Y'all, pray for the kids. Pray for them. Andy Stanley once said, one of the greatest things we do in this world might not be something we do, but might actually be someone we raise. Isn't that good? 
The next Mother Teresa or Billy Graham is very likely, I believe, in the current generation of young people that were sitting on the floor. We've got a lot of kids to pray for. The average church in America to be considered to be a healthy church has less than, was it 7%? 7 to 10% of their congregation is under the age of 18. 35% of our congregation is under the age of 18. We've got a lot of kids to pray for. Pray for the teachers and the security at the schools. Pray for the, the nurses at the schools, cafeteria workers. Pray for the kids. Some of you are living out some of the prayers of your grandparents and parents over you. Pass that along to the children. Let them hear you pray out loud, even if it's awkward. I'm not a good prayer. I, I, don't, I don't sound very eloquent. I understand. Let the kids hear your voice as you talk to your creator. Heard a story recently as we close of a young lady who had gone off to college. She lived her first semester away. And when she got home, her parents, like a lot of parents, first time college kid coming home, they cleaned everything up, you know, got the room looking good, vacuumed and all that stuff, made it look sharp. Girl got home, went upstairs, was up there for a few minutes, and came back downstairs and went to her dad. She said, Dad, you were in my room today, weren't you? He said, yeah, babe, I was in your room getting it ready for you. He said, were you praying for me? He said, yeah, yeah, I prayed for you for a, for a long time. Why do you, how did you know? He said, well, you just vacuumed the carpet. And I could see your footprints in the carpet right over my bed. Just like you used to pray for me as a kid. Thanks for praying for me, Dad. Never stop praying for the kids. Lift them up to the Creator. Pray for their decisions. Pray for their wisdom. Pray for their spouses one day. Pray for their families. Pray for their lives. Pray for their salvations. Pray for them. If you don't have children in your household, I have 174 kids that need, y'all, please hear me. They need prayer. I had conversations with kids this week that are going through stuff like teachers have all the time that break my heart. You know, little kids. And you're like, babe, you shouldn't have to be thinking about that, dude. They need our prayers, y'all. Lift them up. Trust them with Jesus. Surround them with love. Pray for the kids. Are there any middle schoolers in here that are going to camp this week? Any middle schoolers by chance? Are you going to camp this week? I won't call anybody out. Upstairs. Hello, children. Hello. Y'all, I want you to know that we are praying for you today. Did y'all want to come on stage or no? You can say no. Do you want to come on stage? No. Okay. Um, that may make sense. Hey, y'all, parents of the teenagers, the kids that are going to camp this week, y'all, let's cover them in our prayers. I want you to know that me and my family will be praying for you. North Georgia Christian Camp. My wife went to camp there as a middle schooler, made some wild decisions that set up the rest of her life. I mean, they were good, easy. They were good decisions. They were, they were good. They were really good. No, really, I, was, I meant that in a good way, like good decisions for the Lord. Hey, y'all, we're, we're praying for you, praying for the decisions that you're going to make. Um, y'all be praying for our middle schoolers as they go to camp this week, praying for our kids as they go back to their houses. Let's trust the Lord as we do our best to be, be like the kids and do everything we can to protect them. All right, let's pray. Lord, today, we thank you for summertime. And I thank you for swimming pools and for boat rides and cookouts. Lord, I thank you for middle school camp. God, you know that when I was at middle school camp as a teenager, I started making decisions that 
affected the rest of my life. And I pray that over these students today. I pray that the Holy Spirit would be well known. That our students would make decisions that will change their lives for eternity. Lord, I pray for our young people here. Babies to 18-year-olds. Lord, I pray for our students that are going away to college in the fall. I'm so excited. I'm looking forward to hanging out with a couple of them when I get back on vacation a couple weeks. Lord, just to sit down and ask more tough questions. I love that, Lord. That these students are asking tough questions. They want to know you. Lord, I pray over them. I pray for the next generation, Lord, that's going to take this church of yours and continue in the history of life, Lord, the history of the spirit of the church. Help us, Lord, to lead by example. Help us to have tough conversations. Help us to be aware of what's going on in our households. Help us to be like the kids sometimes. Help us to protect them. Lord, I pray for every person hearing these words that's a child of yours, that we would all see ourselves more like you see us. Call us your, our Heavenly Father. She wants us to come to you like children when we have need. We need you. We pray these things in Jesus' name.